Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels in the DMs. Dear Damsels, I am in college, senior year. I'm almost done, but I'm freaking out because I'm majoring in poli-sci, and I don't know if this is what I want to do. And I know that I want to do something that allows me the freedom to travel the world. How do I do that when I don't have the financial means to do that? Need all your help, the lost college kid. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them, yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Osh. And I'm Lauren. So today we have Kendall Furman, who was my first roommate in LA when I moved here four years ago. Moving to LA was such a big like deal for me because it was a dream come true. It was like the the beginning of like me jumping into this career and like really pushing for it and and being an actor and you know just living out my dreams. So Kendall was one of the first people that I met here, and she is an entrepreneur. She's traveled the world. She is a author of a book that's coming out called You Are the Medicine, and she is a uh, host of a podcast called Kendall's World. Yay! Yeah, we had such a great conversation with her. Um, I actually remember when I met you, Osh, it was January, I think, of 2020, right before the pandemic. And I remember you telling me about your roommate who had just moved to Bali. So it really feels full circle for me. I love talking to a fellow Trojan, you know, fight on. Osh is going (laughs) to kill me, so. (laughs) So this episode is great because we talk about things that Lauren and I are not very... um, well versed in we talk about psychedelics we talk about spirituality we talk about traveling well we're we're, we're well versed in traveling we don't think or two about traveling yeah, we have one, like one or two things about traveling but... <laughs> the other stuff is it was great it was very mind-opening i you know that's not the world that i live in that's not the world that lauren lives in so it's really cool to talk to someone with different um experiences and different journeys and um, I meditate, I have a whole, you know, wellness routine, but mine is very basic. Um, and like talk, like just talking to Kendall, it just is like, wow, there's a whole world and big spectrum of spirituality and wellness and meditation. So it's a great episode and I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. I know she's taking wellness showers. Meanwhile, I'm on the calm app with Tamara <laughs> 10 minutes every day. Baby. <laughs> I'll use Tamara. <laughs> is she the best? I love her. All right, guys, let's get into it. Kenny, how are you? It's so good to see your face. I have been talking to you more than we have in the past because you are just coming into my life a little bit more and I love that. Yes, I'm so excited we're reconnecting. It's been so long since we hung out. I literally think I haven't seen you since we were roommates because I just started traveling like crazy and then the pandemic hit and everything went to shit. So we just never ended up seeing each other. But now that I'm moving back to LA, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. 
<laughs> I will be, we'll be able to hang out more, but yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm just really excited with what's going on right now. It feels like, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like when the spring hits, it feels like everything's coming together. Like I'm defrosting from my depression of the winter and yes. <laughs> coming back to myself. So it feels like a really good time right now. The last time I saw you was when we were parting ways as roommates and you were on your way to Bali with your boyfriend, Alex. Um, can you tell us about that decision to move to Bali and then all of your travels? Like, I want to know all of the countries that you've been to since then, because I feel like you've just been on one. 2019 October is when I quit my job and I went to Bali for the first time by myself. And it was a very intense experience traveling solo. Like, honestly, some nights I would cry myself to sleep because it was just like so scary. But once I finally pushed through the fear, I had the most awakening, eye-opening time of like finding my inner power of being able to you know, meet people and do things on my own. And it's such a powerful thing to travel solo. I recommend everyone do it. But essentially, I was traveling solo through different countries in Southeast Asia, specifically Bali, Hong Kong, and Thailand, and then the Philippines. And I just fell in love with Bali. I had so many magical um, synchronicities happen. Like Bali is like a magical island. It is, I think it's considered one of the chakras of the world. I can't remember which chakra, maybe the heart chakra need to figure need to uh, fact check me on that one but it is very powerful energy vortex so a lot of magical things happen there and I felt like so many synchronicities were happening I was meeting so many people that were like friends with other friends that I've met while traveling having so many insane spiritual experiences especially traveling solo and because I was looking out for them and since I fell in love with Bali so much I you know came back from that and ended up working in LA for the next year but then my boyfriend and I we went again together the next October for two months. And we just loved it so much that we ended up deciding to move after, you know, me and you talked, we're like, let's get out of our apartment. Let's do something. I was so afraid to bring that up to you. I remember I was like, I want to move to Bali, but I don't want Ash to be mad at me. I'm going to break the knees. I was so nervous. But then you're like, yeah, I'm kind of over the Huxley. I want to move too. Dude, I was so ready to like get out of that. Just the building and that area wasn't like conducive to my mental health. I just feel like I wanted to be in a better either better part of West Hollywood or somewhere else, but it worked out. And obviously I'm going to be happy for you. You went to Bali. That was, I was like, if I was mad, it would have been like, why didn't you take me? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So made the decision to move to Bali in January of 2020. We moved to Bali with the idea that we were going to be there all year, but then the pandemic hit and the pandemic hit later in Bali than other places. And what I mean, it hit later I meant the realization hit later. I'm sure there was COVID cases there, but there was just like Bali is its own little bubble. Uh, when you're there, you have no idea what's going on in the world. Like, cause you're barely on social media. You're just like having fun, traveling, having these amazing experiences. And when people started talking about it, I was just like, what? Like very confused. And I was there up until like April 1st. And by then like LA and everything already went into quarantine. But I remember thinking like, okay, this is getting serious. I should go home because- you know, being in a third world country that doesn't have, you know, it has very small um, hospitals, I wouldn't, it's going to get overcrowded. And so it's better for me to leave and also to leave the locals there to have their space on their own so that we're not like bothering them with that. So we decided to make the decision to leave and come back home. And since then, we stayed at home for a majority of COVID, obviously, when it was at its peak. We did small camping trips here and there, like around just to get out of the house. But it wasn't until December of 2020, you know, when things started to 
people thought that it was over at that point. We all thought it was like, oh, it's calming down is when I decided to go to Peru. And that's when I was in Peru for two months and then Nicaragua for a month. And this is like where the majority of my book takes place is this solo trip to Peru. That's awesome. Yeah, that that is a cool journey because um, I've never done a solo trip before. I think the only solo trip that I like the first solo first and only solo trip that I've done is to New York. (laughs) I've only traveled with like friends or family. um, But I your experience and the journey that you went through, like I, I want to have my own journey with like discovering myself and you know, like, immersing myself into just like local culture and doing stuff like that. That's very far removed from like fancy hotels and like staying with my family or like not you know just eating at like Indian restaurants because my parents only want to eat at Indian restaurants like I I don't want that (laughs) I'm interested because Ash and I both travel a lot but one problem that I've had in this like digital nomad land is like when I'm traveling I feel like I have both work FOMO and travel. I feel like when I'm working, are there, am I missing out on the place that I am and like not, you know, really taking the time to enjoy where I am. And then like, if I'm not working, then I'm thinking about like, are there things that I should be doing? Like, um, am I missing out on work? Are people getting more ahead of me? Blah, blah, blah. Like I have trouble really unwinding from both. And I'm curious how you were able to do that. Honestly, I struggle with the exact same things. And that's kind of a lot about what I talk in my book is just in general, I think it's easy for us to want to be anywhere that we're not. And I find that I struggle with that a lot. No matter where I am, I'm always thinking of the next thing. And even when I was having these beautiful, expansive experiences, those were like moments, like extended moments of peace and serenity and being in the moment. But then when I stepped out of that and had to like go back to my room that I was in those thoughts would come up again. Like, oh, um, I'm going to plan the next trip. Once I get home, I'm going to plan my birthday and then I'm going to go to this event and then I'm going to go to this festival. Then I'm always in the future, planning Mm -hmm. the future. And that has been like a huge struggle for me over the last, I mean, pretty much my entire life where we're trained to be living in the future and to be living, you know, what's next, what's this. And I think that's like a huge struggle for me. And I've worked a lot through it actually these last 10 months. So in my book, um, I guess I can tangent off into this a little bit to like help answer this question. But in my book, it follows me going to Peru, Nicaragua and having these beautiful, amazing experiences of, you know, doing ecstatic dances with random strangers and meeting my highest self and doing energy work with Um, people who know how to do Reiki and meeting my spirit guides and learning so much about myself through that and doing one of the most intense psychedelics in the world, ayahuasca and DMT, and having these beautiful, expansive experiences, but also really tough having to face inner child trauma, having to face, you know, parts of myself that I didn't want to face, limiting beliefs, um, self-sabotaging behaviors, but coming out of it stronger and more awakened because I got to work through it that I had these beautiful experiences, but throughout the whole time, I was still like, okay, what's next? What am I going to do next? How am I going to turn this into something that I can share with the world? Like, oh, I need to focus on work right now. I'm not doing enough work or, oh, I'm doing too much work. I need to be more present. And for a long time, I struggled between the two. And especially when I came home from my trip, I was like ready to take off. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to launch my podcast. Then all my dreams are going to come true. And that didn't happen. I launched my podcast and I started working on it, but nothing changed. I still felt like, like I was never doing enough. And I still felt this burnout cycle of continuously, like trying to do a bunch, but not being able to handle the load because I wasn't doing, 
you know, the right things for my mental health to be able to handle that. And so I went through like a 10 month cycle of, you know, taking on too much burnout and then being depressed and unable to do anything for 10 months and constantly wanting to be anywhere else, but in that feeling of like, why am I feeling this way? Like, why do I have to still be depressed? Like I thought doing the strongest psychedelic in the world and doing these trips and accomplishing my dreams and starting this podcast, whatever it was, all these goals that you try to tick off and think, oh, this will be the answer once I do this. And I still wasn't happy and I still wasn't fulfilled. And I really had to learn. I I learned that this was a reason I had to go through that in order to, um, in order to really just like accept fully where I'm at and be like, okay, I'm not exactly where I need to be, but that's okay. And this is a part of the journey. The destination of that moment of like, you know, getting to where you want to be is not all there is. It's the buildup to that and the journey to that. And I think realizing that has helped me to not, you know, struggle between like when I'm traveling or even when I'm home, like that FOMO of like, oh, I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. It's like, no, you should be exactly where you are right now because this is what you're doing. If you if you needed to be there, you would be there mm-hmm. and fully accepting that moment. And I think, you know, that's a hard place to get to. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to automatically change my thinking and believe that it's like, it's like therapy, like mindfulness work, a ton of work needs to be put into that for it to become automatic. But you know, it's funny that you bring that up because that's just like a whole theme throughout my book. Mm, Awesome. I was just curious when you took ayahuasca, what were some of the things that you realized about yourself? And also like, did those realizations bring you anxiety or alleviate some of your anxiety? Because I've heard people go both ways Mm. on that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it really depends on the person. What I always like to say about ayahuasca straight up is that like, you are going to have some fears that you're going to need to face and some inner demons that you're going to need to face. And I think I knew that going in and I accepted that, but I will say that I didn't have the integration tools necessary to help me integrate these powerful lessons and like journeys that I went on into everyday life. Cause when you, when you're living in these magical places, like literally living in a circus and doing the most powerful psychedelic in the world and living in a community and having people there to talk to you all the time. And then all of a sudden going home to normal life and living at home with your family isolated from friends because of the pandemic, isolated from anything fun because America just isn't suited for communities. There's hardly any community out here. I was struggling because I didn't have the tools necessary to be able to integrate that. And so of course I went into a depressed state. And so I think the most important part of these psychedelic journeys is the integration process and making sure you're ready to have these things come up because it's not just during the trip that these fears come up. They're going to come up for months after until you get to the root and process them. No, I think it's just so powerful the way that you've put that into your book. And I'm curious about your podcast as well. And like, what are some of the things that you've addressed on your podcast and what made you want to start doing it in that form? Yeah. So I started it last year, my 25th birthday. And, um, Essentially, I called it Kendall's World because I was really struggling with what to call it for so long. I was like, oh, I can call it like a specific niche about spirituality, or I can make it about travel. And I just like didn't know what I wanted to talk about because I wanted to talk about everything. I wanted to be able to have any subject to be able to talk about. So that's why I named it Kendall's Kendall's World because it's essentially stuff from my perspective of my travels, my spiritual journeys, things that I've learned over the years and just sharing my perspective on it. And the way that it's formatted, is honestly just very like in flow. So the way that I started my podcast actually was I sat down just like this with my camera, full makeup, microphone, everything ready with like a script, tried to record 
And it was horrible, just awful, just so forced, so fake. And so I just like gave up. And then that night I smoked weed and had like a spiritual session where I like took, I call them spiritual showers where I just like dance in the shower and I'm like high as fuck, like dancing with my highest self with great music and my starlight. And then I get out and I like do a full meditation routine. And then all of a sudden these ideas started coming to me. I was like, wait a second, this could be a good podcast episode. So I literally just laid in bed and grabbed my phone. I didn't even have my mic, no makeup on, didn't record it. Cause I was like, these like recording this is getting in the way of me, like actually speaking. Cause I'm not used to this yet. So I just like laid in my, my bed and talked to my phone of all these ideas, chopped it up. And then it was the first episode. And then the next few episodes after that, I used my mic to make it sound better, but I still did the same routine of smoking, dancing, moving the energy through my body. Like I really like somatic practices, somatic being like physical body movements. So like shaking, dancing, and looks weird, but stuff that like genuinely moves the anxiety and fears out of your body. So I would do this like dancing and um, it's turned into this like natural intuitive energy work where I just would move my hands and see this energy around me moving. And I would see any anxieties and fears as like dark clumps of energy in my body. And I would like start to pull them out. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm not like certified in Reiki or anything like that, but it's something that's intuitively coming to me. So I use it as a practice for myself. And then after a few episodes, I didn't need the weed anymore. I tapered off and I was like, oh, I can do this on my, by myself. Like I'm confident enough now. So now I can just pull the mic and just talk about whatever I want to talk about and not have like a structured notes or anything and just go for it. And then I also have guests on. So a lot of the episodes are me just talking and talking about specific things that I'm going through. And it's basically like, feels like I'm just talking to a friend and I have a lot of listeners reach out and like say that it feels like I'm talking directly to them like a little conversation and it's just a lot of fun that way but I also have guests come on I've had astrologists I've had energy workers I've had Ayurvedic healers and different types of people in spiritual world to talk about their craft and to just go deeper on what that means and then I've also told like funny stories about traveling uh travel tips and my business but I link everything to spirituality like I see the spiritual Uh, aspects in everything that I do. So I like to link it back to spirituality and give some sort of mindset, mindfulness tip throughout. Well, when I first met you, um, it was like a roommate, like, let's meet to see if we could be like compatible as roommates. And I remember one of the questions that you asked me was, are you spiritual? And I was like, that question hit me because I was in that process of like, I'm not really, I'm like, I was raised Hindu, but like, I don't really believe in religion. I do believe in some sort of energy that's like above us and higher than us. And I remember I feel you were talking to me about it and I was like, damn, like this girl knows her shit. Like she just graduated college and college and she knows her shit about like the universe and like, like all of like meditation. And I never had a morning routine. Didn't even like, you know, I'd roll out of bed and then get out and like leave. But like you, I remember you being, you would like, have your morning routine, you would like you'd meditate. And in morning routine, I, I mainly mean you would meditate. And so seeing you from your beginning stages of like getting into that spiritual world and having like one little practice of like using headspace or I don't know what else app, I think it was headspace that you were using, or maybe it was your own thing that you were using. Maybe you suggested headspace to me. But seeing you go from that to where you are now, it's a huge leap. I mean, it's been just a progress that you've made in your own spiritual journey. It's really cool to see. And I, I remember you talking about you wanting to go to Peru. Like this was a dream of yours for a while. And seeing you do that now, it's like, dang, like that's really cool that you made that happen because I remember you would talk about it like all the time. And you had a mentor who 
was like your spiritual mentor. And I remember you talking, um, talking about that with him as well. And you'd come back to me and you'd be like, I really want to go to Peru. I'm like, ah, maybe this is dangerous. I don't know if you should go. <laughs> and then you did it. Like you talked about during ayahuasca and, and wanting to check that out and exploring that. And that's really cool that, you know, you, you went out there by yourself and you did what you said you were going to do. My question is that, do you feel having done ayahuasca and DMT, then, and this kind of relates to your book, your book's title, You Are the Medicine. <laughs> do you feel like you could have done without, uh, you could have you um, come to the same conclusions or the same kind of where you are at now without doing the, the DMT and ayahuasca? Mm. That's a tough question because let me explain two things. For one, like when I say you are the medicine, I'm not taking away the fact that these plant medicines are so powerful. Like to answer your question, I'm sure I would have come to the conclusion on my own, but these plant medicines are what made me have those realizations. You know, it's, it takes you to a different world and it allows different parts of your brain to open up and speak to each other that haven't been able to speak to each other before. So it allows you to explore your psyche. And you're also like in the spiritual way, connecting to different realms, different beings, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, the collective consciousness of being and, you know, expanding to that, that the way that I like to see it is like that feeling that I, that you get during psychedelics. It's so hard. If you haven't, it's hard to describe it to someone because mm -hmm. it's beyond words, but that's the truth. That's real reality. And then when we come back to this life, this is the facade. This is the quote unquote matrix. And like this society that we've built in, uh, that we built up to be in. And to me, it feels like you're co-creating with the medicine. So that's why everyone has such a different experience. Essentially why I say you are the medicine is that yes, these powerful medicines are there to help guide you on this journey. But at the end of the day, you're the one who decided to take it. You're the one who has all of these memories and experiences that you need to work through. And you're the one that is brave enough to do this and, you know, to face your fears this way, even though the plant medicine is bringing you on that journey, it's all within you. All of that was within you. You're just unfolding and unlocking the things that are within you. And they're just tools to help you realize that. And also I will say that you need to, you know, make consult your doctor to make sure you don't have like a predisposition to schizophrenia or psychosis because you cannot do specifically ayahuasca and DMT. If you have that, I want to make sure I say oh, no. that because it is, you know, not everyone can take these things. You just mm -hmm. need to know yourself and know where you're at. It has personally been really helpful for me on my journey. Yeah. I've loved it. All right, guys, before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 
So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Speaking of your journey, I kind of want to segue into your relationship because uh, it is, you know, it's a very important part of who you are. Not that you're, you are your relationship, but. And this podcast. <laughs> and this podcast. We are still <laughs> in the DMs and we still do want to talk about dating. How has Alex kind of, because I've seen a big change in you in those four years. So how has Alex kind of kept up with those changes? Has he changed along with you on that spiritual path or has he kind of just been like, like a support? like hey this is what you want to do and I will support you through uh whatever journey that you want to take I would say both so it's funny the way that I look at our relationship is that we were both on different sides of the spectrum with everything like I was super Christian and he was more like atheist agnostic frat boy you know had a partier hooked up with used to hook up with girls and like I was like the Christian (laughs) girl that never did anything wrong and so we were so opposite to each other But I think, and then we started dating and, you know, we slowly started to merge like this, like come to the center line of both our belief systems where maybe we were both at extreme ends and we helped each other, like get to a middle line of balance, which I think that's super important because you never want to be on the extreme side of anything. I think it's important to find balance and understanding and all views and all perspectives. And that's what we really did. Like he has been super supportive of me on my journey, but has also been able to, you know, have his own journey and grow in his own ways. And I have a whole chapter um, in my book about our relationship. I won't give away too much, but there is a spicy tantric sex scene. Oh, which I'm nervous about with like parents, family skip this chapter. Um, but I do talk about like our spiritual journey together and how we've come to be stronger in that way. In a way, I see that he is someone who grounds me and he helps me remember like the fun, playful side of life. And I'm someone who, you know, lifts him up to understand, like, think about these different things about the universe. And to think about his path. And he was never really spiritual before me. And he never really thought about these things. And so me bringing this into his life, I used to be me being Christian, being like, come to church with me and him being like, no, <laughs> like, obviously not. And um, then me, you know, leaving religion and leaving what I used to know into spirituality and being really passionate about that. And that's something that was really, you know, enticing for him and something that he felt more aligned with. And, you know, of course we're all, we're both on our own journeys. And that's why I like to do solo travel trips to remind myself that I am my own person, because sometimes you can become codependent in a toxic way. Like, I don't think codependency is necessarily all toxic all the time. Like I think you should be, be able to depend on your partner and to have that support system. But I think, and sometimes I can easily lose my independence if I'm like, you know, he's taking care of me and cooking me food and this and that. And we're about to move in together. So it's like having that, you know, separate solo time and separate, um, separate identities is super important so that you don't like, I like to call it Christmas or tangled Christmas lights. You guys don't want to be tangled Christmas lights in each other's lives. You want to be two parallel lines guiding each other and accelerating each other forward into your goals. That's really how our relationship has been. And I'm just so appreciative for all the support and all the crazy ideas that I say, he just is like, yeah, let's do it. He's never once been like, no, this is weird. Like he's, when I said I wanted to quit my job and move to Bali, 
he came with me and he quit his job and went to ball and we started business together. When I said I wanted to go to Peru, he was like, do it. You got this. And then joined me halfway through. And he's just always been so supportive of me, no matter what crazy thing I do or say. And um, also very grounding for me. And how were you able to make it work when you were on some of these solo trips or, you know, he, you were in Bali and he wasn't there or when you were in Peru and he wasn't there, like at the times that you weren't together, how were you, like, how would you advise other people who are interested in doing something like you've done in maintaining their relationship? So definitely earlier in our relationship, like, I would just want to point out, like our relationship has not been perfect, like the whole time and it's not perfect now, but in the beginning, it was a lot tougher because you know we we're both in college and we're both dealing with our own shit and we don't know how to be a mature adult so there was a lot of issues in the beginning of a relationship especially with you know I had a lot of um insecurities about you know when he would go off on trips alone and not trusting him and it all stemmed from my insecurities not from him actually going to go do something bad it was just my anxieties and I had to learn to face my anxieties like I had a point in our relationship early on where you know, if he didn't text back within an hour, like my mind immediately assumed, oh my God, he's sleeping with someone because I like honestly had relationship OCD where I had like these thoughts would just, I couldn't control it. It was, I remember I was living with Osh actually this in the very beginning. And I had so much anxiety that it like consumed my life. And it just took some time to, you know, um, let those fears go and let those insecurities go. But also like, I was really strict with myself to not act on those impulses. I it was, I'm very like in tune with my body. So I can tell when something is an anxiety or an intuition. And if it stems from anxiety and not truth, then I do not reach out and make a scene out of it. Like, I'm not going to be like, why aren't you doing this? Blah, 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 because that's when it would turn, it would just be like stoking the fire and making it way worse. And it would just cause these emotional roller coasters. So I realized that wasn't helpful. And I realized to like, really think, okay, is this like an irrational fear that's popping up or is this something I should actually bring up? And most of the time it was an irrational fear that if I brought it up, there's no fucking reason to. Mm. So like I had to learn that. And Alec also like, we are, we are really great communicators. So we're able to just sit down and be like, this is bothering me. This is bothering me. Like we don't fight. We have dis we have disagreements and we have loud discussions, but we don't fight. <laughs> and I think that's a super important way is to learn how to respectfully communicate and not just communicate, but to be a good listener and to understand. And so just building that foundation over the last few years of being able to communicate when something's not right. He's been able to grow and been able to like be more communicative with me. And so when we're traveling, like um, it's, it was definitely harder when I first went to Bali because when I was feeling like in the beginning, like, oh no, why am I traveling? Why am I doing this? I would just call him constantly and be like, oh, like just like nervous to go meet new people. But the minute I started actually going out and meeting new people, I didn't feel the need to text him all day and call him all day. And he's always been super, super chill, like about, you know, not needing me to text back. Like he's never been a jealous boyfriend and he's never been one. Like, why aren't you calling me back? Why aren't you texting me? He, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to call you. Um, I've been like having fun. He's like, oh my God, go have fun. So like, I'm going to butt in and just say, Alex is the sweetest boy ever. <laughs> like he is such a sweetie. And I remember he would just like, he would make conversation with you and just be just a genuine sweetheart. And I can never see him having like a jealous or like <laughs> toxic bone in his body, but yes, carry on. No, seriously. Everyone says that about him. He's the <laughs> best. And I actually just made a TikTok video about him because um, it's funny. There's this like trend going on on TikTok. That's like, 
death to the chill girl. So it's like this idea of like, oh, we need to be the chill girl. We need to be a chill girlfriend. Like we should just let him do anything. And I have that fear a lot when I like want to come to Alex to say that I don't like something that he's doing or saying. I have this fear like, oh my God, just be chill. Why are you being naggy? Like, are you being a psycho girlfriend? And I have these thoughts come up. And when I say it to him, and I remember we had this conversation where I was saying these things I was upset with. And then I said like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not the chill girlfriend, but I like, I can't stay quiet about this. And he's like, what are you saying? Like, I don't want a chill girlfriend. Like, I want you to tell me when things are wrong. I want you to keep me accountable. Like you make me a better person when you bring these up. And I think that's so important to know is that like in relationships, like it's so important to be communicative and not be afraid to like share these things that you have problems with because um, you know, death to the chill girl. We don't need to be chill girls anymore. Like keep your men accountable and keep yourself accountable. I have one other question and it's about your family because you said that you were really religious before you switched into this really spiritual phase of your life. And I'm curious if you grew up religious, if your family was religious or um, like what they make of you having this kind of spiritual journey. So yeah, I grew up religious. My family is Christian, uh, non-denominational Christian. And I went to Christian school my whole life from kindergarten to high school. And so I was pretty religious um, in that way, but I always leaned towards more the mystical side of Christianity and always was interested when they would tell the stories about speaking in tongues and all these spiritual mm -hmm. gifts. Like that's what I cared about. I was like, <laughs> I want to be able to do this cool shit. I want to be able to like have <laughs> visions and do this. And I, I was always more interested in that. And I always felt like there was more like just reading the Bible every day and reciting prayers and going to church. Like it never fulfilled me. I was like, there's something more to this. My family has been very supportive actually. So they used to be really strict growing up. I think because when you're in a Christian community, you listen to everything that all the different Christian moms are saying, and you want to be perfect and make sure that all of these things look good. And I wasn't allowed to listen to, you know, kiss FM or any other like music besides Christian music for so long. And I wasn't allowed to read or watch the Harry Potter series because it was witchcraft. Like it was pretty strict, but then my mom started loosening up like slowly and gradually over the years. Like she knew I was drinking in Paris when I was living in Paris, my freshman year, which really helped me break out of that bubble. And it, it, honestly, like it was just this slow, like kind of understanding of where I'm at. And I think in the beginning, it was hard for my parents or family to understand what I was going through. And, you know, they never really said anything disapproving, but I could tell that there was some, there was some like language barrier in the way that we could talk about things. And I knew that coming home, like there's a purpose I need to, to bridge this gap and to be able to talk about this. And like, it wasn't until I think recently I knew I needed to come out with the fact that I do psychedelics, because if I'm going to talk about this in my book, I want my family to know about this. And so it just kind of randomly came out and it wasn't a big deal. Like they didn't react. They didn't like say anything. They're just like, oh, interesting. Like, and then I was like, wait a second, I've been building up this moment for so long to like tell this and like thought they would be upset and like thought I, they would be so mad at me and they like are really chill about it like what and it was just this like crazy like mind-blowing I don't know realization that I had been making it such a bigger deal but yeah after talking to my mom like she you know I think there's a lot of similarities actually in Christianity and spirituality there's just the way that the church has made Christianity out to be that causes some issues with that but I found a lot of good like conclusive energy with where I'm at with my parents and feeling really good about sharing this book and them understanding where I'm at yeah.
I personally really want your ability to tell between intuition, intuition and anxiety. That sounds really nice. Yeah, me too. I really need that too. Yeah. I was struggling this morning with anxiety and I was like, mm, how, how do we, how do we deal with this? Yeah, it's definitely a thing that you need to practice. And I think that's why embodiment practices like somatic healing are very important because we are so in our heads all the time. Like it's a fun, it's like this interesting fact too. If you ask a Westerner where they like exist in their body, they'll point to their head. Like we see through our eyes, we think here most of the time. So we feel like we're here. But if you ask people from indigenous, like tribal communities, where they exist in their body, they point to their heart. And so I've had like experiences during meditation where it feels like my consciousness, like, you know, how many close your eyes, you feel like you're here. My consciousness drops down to here and it literally feels like I'm existing out of my heart. So I try to get to that feeling as much as I can. And how I get there is through breath work. I would say breath work is one of the most powerful ways that you can get there without psychedelics. It is literally a psychedelic experience, but through breath. And I have a breathwork coach that I see every week and she like does Reiki on me at the same time through Zoom. And it's absolutely amazing. Her name is Jen. I will tag her on my Instagram. So if you guys want to go check her out, she's awesome. But you took me to my first breathwork class. I remember that. Do you remember my experience? Did you cry? I think you cried. I cried and I got the lobster hands (laughs) and the lobster mouth. Like, I need to take Lauren. I need to take Lauren because it is the weirdest experience, but it felt like I I got high. Like I came out of that being like, I'm, I feel like I just smoked. But still at the same time, breathwork is really hard. Like it's not an easy thing to mm-hmm. do. It's, it's very difficult. And I need to do more of that because I know that's what I need to work on. Okay, guys, I think it is time to get into the letter. I feel like you could give a really good advice to this letter writer. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Dear damsels, I am in college, senior year. I'm almost done, but I'm freaking out because I'm majoring in poli-sci and I don't know if this is what I want to do. I've been traveling abroad a lot for fun with my friends and I know that I want to do something that allows me the freedom to travel the world. How do I do that when I don't have the financial means to do that? Or are there jobs out there that allow me to travel and get paid? I'm not an influencer, but would that be a place to start? If so, how do I do it? Need all your help, the lost college kid. Mm, that's such a good one. It's funny because I, I um, majored in international relations, global business. So similar to poli sci, but I really liked what I majored in. Like I'm not exactly using it today. Like I'm not studying international relations or doing public policy, but I really like that. I got that, you know, well-rounded education because when I do travel, I know about foreign events and I know about foreign affairs and I know like about the countries that I'm traveling to. And I think that's super important is that when you travel, you're educated about the countries you're traveling to, you know, their culture and how to respect the culture. And you're not just coming in and trying to use the country for your benefit, but also like giving back. And so that's always been a super important thing to me. And I think my educational background in that in learning about all of these different things, developing countries, I like my, most of my study was about developing countries. And that's kind of where I think most people end up traveling to because, you know, the more exotic, the cheaper places, but I'm just so glad I have the educational background behind it. So I would say if you like, definitely don't like poli-sci, if you don't think you're going to use it at all, um, you know, consider other options that could be good for you while traveling. I also minored in graphic design 
and business, but most of the things that I learned that are beneficial to my career now were outside of college, were in my internships, were in what I learned like while I was trying to figure out how to live and work online while I traveled. So I think the thing is that like all of these things that I learned were beneficial to where I'm at today. So while I'll just say what I did while I was traveling, um, I did freelancing, so freelance marketing. So I was able to work with different clients and help them with influencer marketing, social media marketing, branding. And then I also started a business with Alex, like an e-commerce business. So having that design background and the business background to be able to build a brand, build a website, source products, create an entire brand and marketing strategy, video editing, basically created me to be able to like live online and make passive income while working. Um, but there is other ways to travel and make money that you don't have to be an influencer and you don't have to do mark freelance marketing. Um, you can literally work for a hostel and live there for free. You can also be an English teacher and you make a lot of money. Like I met some people making a few thousand dollars a month while living in a foreign country and teaching English a few days a week. A few thousand dollars a month goes a long way in a smaller country. So those are some options that you can consider. Look into English teaching, look into tutoring, and you can also look into freelance social media marketing. Like, and if you're a Gen Z or, or young millennial on social media, you know how to do social media marketing. You're the people that those brands are looking for because you have the mind of a Gen Z or younger millennial and you know how to market it. So even getting into being a virtual assistant online, there's so many ways that you can make money off of Fiverr, Upwork, all these different platforms and, you know, just travel on a budget. Don't go to luxurious hotels, especially if you're like 22, you don't need that. Um, go to hostels and you can even live in your own room in a hostel for 20 bucks a night in Bali and live in places that are just a lot cheaper so that you're not spending your money and that you're just being wise with your money. And then you like, you just do this for a year or two. You can always get a job, like a stable job later, but I would suggest anyone in their young twenties, like to travel and make money that way or save up a bunch and travel and worry about the real life later. Like I am just now worrying about the real life and I'm about to turn 26. Like I have been having fun and traveling for so long. And now I'm getting to a phase. I'm like, okay, I want to be more settled in my career and make a bit more money. I was making money, but not a shit ton, you know, to be able to save for retirement and buy a home, but enough to like, keep me to be able to travel and have fun. So I would say like, just change your perspective around it. Like you don't need to have this like career goal set in mind for the rest of your life. Like you can change your mind and nothing is as a big, as big of a deal as you think it is at the age of 22. So that would be my advice. <laughs> that was really good advice. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that nobody has it figured out. Like when you graduate, even if you think you have it figured out, like a few years don't. later, you're going to realize you don't have it figured out. Like when you, when you leave the full-time stability of like where you do have your shit figured out, like I did have my shit figured out until yeah, I decided didn't. until I decided that's not the path I want. And then I did not have my shit figured out because I decided to go for the tougher path of being a creative and trying to, you know, figure out my own finances freelancing. But yeah, essentially like taking that risk, I learned a lot about like the downsides, the pros and cons of this. And so I actually made a full YouTube video about like how to make money while traveling online. It is like, I did this a couple years ago. So I have learned a lot more since and I kind of want to make another video because some of the things I said in there, I was a little too eager and I don't agree with everything I said, but I'm not going to take it down because that was the perspective of where I was at the time. But if you're interested in learning more about like how I travel and make money online and how I did that, I have a whole video on my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Kendall Furman. And you can always DM me on Instagram um, to ask me, you know, questions about that. 
um, always open to discussing. And I'll be starting a Discord community soon for like my author community, but it'll also be discussing like my podcast, my travels. And so people can come on there and chat with me and chat with other people in the Discord community. So that'll be up soon, like in the links in my bios, where, wherever that'll be. But yeah. And then also when, where can people um, find your book? How can they order it? Um, Cause this episode is going to come out after you've launched so yes where can can we find it and support you and read all all about your your journey and your travels so it'll be an indiegogo campaign so i'm doing a pre-sale which means there's going to be different bundles so when you buy the book it's more expensive of a price because it's bundled with an event the launch event that i'm going to have for my book that'll have it'll be virtual and in person but it'll have like the different things that i did in my book like an ecstatic dance a breath work it'll have these different spiritual experiences within it um and i'll have different bundles such as the book and a personal coaching call with me the book and a business intuitive strategy with me and you know social media strategy and so there'll be different bundles of things that you can buy with it to be able to work with me and i'm also going to be launching a retreat in Peru where you can come with me and do the exact same things that I did in my book, going on the hikes, going on, you know, ecstatic dances, um, seeing Machu Picchu, doing all the beautiful things that I did in Peru to have this revelation of you are the medicine. So the trip is called like you are the medicine and you're going to come with me and learn how to find your medicine within in Peru. So if you're interested in that, it'll be later this year, but the information for it is coming out soon. Um, but yeah, essentially the link is in my bio. It's on my website, kendallferman.com slash my book. And, um, all the links will probably be down below as well. So I'm excited and I'm super grateful for everybody's support. And I'm just excited to finally share my story about this because it is such a vulnerable, powerful, and beautiful story of just like a young 25 year old figuring her shit out and, you know, realizing that everything she thought she knew was not true and learning to accept the person she is. And so I think a lot of people can relate to it. And I think a lot of people will um, be able to learn from my journey. It's not a self-help book. It's not a guide of how to become your best self. That's not it at all. It's just literally me sharing my story and hoping that it inspires you along your journey as well. Kendall, thank you so much. It was such a great time talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And hopefully uh, the damsel in the DMs liked my message and my advice. (laughs) No, your advice is amazing. And honestly, I I wish that I heard that when I was, you know, still in college. I wish I listened to this podcast episode when I was in college, still figuring my shit out and figuring out what I wanted to major in or like if I liked nutrition and pre-dental and you be figuring out my life. So you've been a blessing as always. Um, we need to hang out, so I will text you after. But thank you so much, and hope you'll be back soon. Yes, I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.